You know, as we start a new series, Teachers of Pray, I'm really aware that in the room in front of me are legends of prayer. There are those of you for whom prayer is a lifestyle. This is something that you practice regularly and daily, and you know God really intimately through a prayer conversation. And there are others of us in the room for whom this is something that's kind of pretty new, that we are on the journey or taking first steps or just kind of trying to learn how to pray. Um, and so with that kind of gamut in mind, I think I'll start talking by praying, if that's all right with you. <laughs> Jesus, we come to you. We've given our hearts to you in worship, and we come to you needing fresh bread. We're hungry and thirsty for more. And Father, you know that in our church family, in very different places and we just ask for your best bread today we ask that you would come and feed each of us that you come and teach us your truths that you come and reveal yourself and that we'd all go away having encountered you and having um, grown more more like you amen so if you've been here any time in the church family, um, you will know that one of the things that we talk about around here is about being apprentices to Jesus. I mean, if you're new with us, we say that that has three different facets. It talks about us being with Jesus. We talk about becoming like Jesus. And we talk about doing the things that Jesus did. Because that's what apprentices do. They get close to the master. They try and become like the person they're following by, in character and by doing the things that he did. And you know, this series, what we're, going to call, what we're calling Teach Us to Pray, is actually a request that Jesus' first disciples made of him. Now, as you'll know, a whole crowd of us were away this week in Nottingham at the Leaders' Conference. And we did something, we had a guy coming um, along called John Mark Comer, and as he taught, every time he read from the Bible, he invited us all to stand. And so today, I'm just going to read you a passage from the Bible, but if you're able to, I wonder if you'd stand. Because what that did for me was, as I stood... It increased my expectation about what I was going to hear. It helped me to engage, and it reminded me about the words that we read. These are the words of God. So I'm reading today from Luke chapter 11. We're not going to do this every time with the Bible, but just I thought it was a good thing to help us engage today. Reading from Luke chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So do take your seats. That's a, a prayer that is probably the most famous prayer in the world, isn't it? It's a very familiar prayer to lots of us. And you might notice, actually, there's a bit missing off the end. We'll talk about this a little bit later on. There's a bit called the doxology, where when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, and yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And that was thought to be added on in about AD 90, so it's after Jesus had died and gone back to heaven. But by the early church, who kind of took that prayer from part of the New Testament too and kind of added it on. But the question is, well, so why did the disciples ask Jesus to teach us how to pray? Why is this something that we're looking at in our church over the next few weeks? Well, the disciples were around Jesus all the time, and they saw that prayer, his way of communicating with and connecting with God, was actually key to his ministry, and they wanted to know how to do it for themselves. I love it when they said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? He didn't go, 
what, you don't know already? Or, oh, come on, guys, surely you've seen. But actually, in those days, it was really common for Jewish rabbis to teach their disciples and their followers a pattern of how to pray, and that's what Jesus was doing, it, doing here. Jesus was somebody who prayed a lot. As a Jew, there were rhythms and practices of prayer that were in his life every day. And the Bible tells us in a number of places that he often went away to quiet places or to solitary places to be on his own with God, to pray. And here, actually, it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. He had a place that he used to go to when he wanted to talk to his father. So the disciples saw this pattern in his life, but as well as that, they also saw the benefits of it. They knew that Jesus was a kind of guy who knew what to say and what to do in every situation. They saw him as a guy who had reserves of peace and love and grace, even under extreme stress. He had power and authority over sickness and disease. There was just an ease and a fun about being around him. And the disciples were people who wanted to be like that too. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So what is prayer? Well, I looked up and found some quotes on the internet that different kind of notable people have said about prayer. You may have heard of an author and speaker called Joyce Mayer, and she said, prayer is simply talking to God like a friend and should be the easiest thing we do each day. Martin Luther, who was a priest from the 1500s, said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than being alive without breathing. Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, says this, Prayer has as its centre a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. We're not praying to placate him or please him. We're praying to relish and rejoice in him. Isn't that lovely? Like a good bacon sandwich. We're praying to relish and rejoice in him. Relationships are not built on process, but on partnership. And prayer is about sharing every part of yourself and your life with God. So the good news in one sense is that you don't have to do something to get there. God doesn't say, press these buttons in the right order and live a suitably good life. He just says, come be with me. It's an invitation. And lastly, Jean Vanier, who you may have heard, who founded the Lash Communities, said, to pray is essentially to come to Jesus to drink. And I don't know if that is your experience, any of these things. What's prayer like for you? Is prayer like a conversation? Is it like breathing? Is it like an invitation into this intimate friendship with Jesus that you've accepted? Is it like having a refreshing drink? Well, the encouragement is that that's what's on offer. But like the first disciples, we need to learn how to do it and how to grow in it. You know, I asked for a book for Christmas, um, this one. It's called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. So I was hopeful. And it's written by a guy called Pete Gregg from 24-7. And one of my kids wrote this on the tag. Dear Mum, Merry Christmas. I know you're kind of new to this. <laughs> so I thought this present would give you some tips and tricks for a really good start. And I thought they were trying to be a bit cheeky, but actually, in truth, although I have been following Jesus for a long time, I still need help. I want to grow in my relationship with him. I want to get closer. I want to know him better. I want to look and act and smell even more like him. You know, John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, tells this story that I love, which is when he was in an airport one time, and there was a woman who was also waiting for a plane, and she just kind of came and kind of just wanted to be close to him, and he would move on, and she'd just kind of move on too. 
And he turned to her and he said, you love it, don't you? And she said, what is it? And it was the presence of Jesus, that he was somebody who spent time with Jesus. And as a result, he had these reserves of love and peace and joy that were just evident to the people around him. And that's what I want. And so maybe this is a thing that you want too. And if this is where you're at, you want to know Jesus better, then help is at hand. As Nigel's mentioned this morning, in all our life groups this term, we're looking at the prayer course. It's an eight-week course. It's video-based. There are questions and there are opportunities to try and pray. And I thought rather than just tell you all about it, I'd just show you a little clip this morning. So perhaps, Katie, you can pop the clip on, please. Thank you. first session of the prayer course. My name is Poppy Williams. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but these days I live and work on the Spanish island of Ibiza. I'm here today with my friend Pete Gregg. Pete's a pastor in England who kick-started a worldwide prayer movement all the way back in 1999, and it's still going strong today. He's written a whole bunch of books about prayer, including this one, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People, which really links into what we're going to be talking about during this course. All in all, he couldn't be better qualified to teach us about prayer. So Pete, here we are, the first session of the prayer course. Can you maybe give us an idea of where we're going to be headed over these next eight sessions? Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? I, I feel like we're at the start of a real adventure because there's nothing more exciting than really connecting and communicating mm. with the, the living God. Yeah. With my wife, Sammy, if you heard that we don't spend time together and I don't listen to her and we don't talk to each other, you might question the quality of, of, of our marriage, even yes. though we have a marriage certificate. And I think in the same way, in your relationship with God, it's not enough just to have like baptismal certificates or, or all the kind of right stuff. It really is about prayer. It's about your relationship with him through communication. So this is the heart of everything. So then basically the goal of this course is to help people grow in that relationship with God. Yeah, exactly. By the end of eight weeks, you'll be better at hearing God's voice. Uh, you'll be experiencing more of his presence. I hope you'll have processed some of your disappointments and your struggles in prayer. Um, and I think that you'll even be experiencing more miracles because you'll be learning how to unlock the power of prayer. I love that, like the idea of unlocking the power of prayer. Like I am, I'm in for that. Good, I'm glad because if I was sitting here on my own, it'd be a bit weird. <laughs> yes, it would. So your, your book is called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. So is this course going to be the same? Like, is this for everybody? Yeah, it's, it, it really is. And I can't guarantee everyone, everybody watching this is going to be normal, uh, <laughs> but we are going to try and keep it simple and we're going to cover a lot of a lot of ground i'm aware that some people watching this is going to be pretty new to christianity and so it is going to be accessible and others probably been christians for years and years and years but actually there's always more uh, to learn and the truth is that everybody prays we, we all do even people yes. who don't call themselves christians i remember the first time i held our son 
I prayed, and I think most people would relate to that, even non-churchgoers. The first time I saw the Northern Lights, I, I, I was just lost in wonder. I was, prayer was a, a, a natural response. And probably most sort of, um, vulnerably, when Sammy, my wife, was wheeled off down the hospital corridor to mm-hmm. have surgery that we didn't know if she'd survive, um, you better believe, I, you know, I, I, I prayed. And when she came back alive and, um, and well, I thanked God. And it wasn't me trying to do this religious thing. It was just it, 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 to, be, to be humans, to, to, to pray. The word prayer in the Latin, the original, is precarious. And I think that's exactly right. We pray because life is precarious. Mm, yeah. and, and it's marvelous and it's wonderful. It's too big for our heads and our hearts to contain. Rabbi Abraham Heschel puts it beautifully. He says, prayer is our humble answer mm. to the inconceivable surprise of living. I, I love that. Mm, wow. I know you guys did this great little animation a few years ago that's exactly about this. It's called Why Pray? Maybe we should take a look at that. Have you ever... And it's a great little animation. If you want to see it, you're going to have to go to Life Group. <laughs> Do you know, I did say to Nigel, actually, perhaps we should just show the whole session of the, you know, the whole first session of the prayer course, because it is great material. But actually, what we've decided to do is that we are going to be showing the prayer course in our life groups. And on Sundays, we're going to be digging deeper into the themes around the Lord's Prayer. So, for example, um, next Sunday, we're looking at our Father. How can we call God our Father? And what does that mean? And then a few weeks' time, Johnny is looking at, um, when we say that, kingdom come what do we mean by the kingdom of God so we're going to be taking the different themes and looking at them from a different um, perspective so if you come on Sunday it's not the same as what you'll get in life group and as Nigel said loads of people have already signed up for life group that's great I was thinking about it this week and I suddenly thought you know if you feel that you for whatever reason you can't get to any of the groups we offered offer I'd hate you to miss out and so if you generally genuinely can't make it to the times and the places that are offered then if you come and talk to me you talk to Laura then we'll do our very best to make one fit around you because we think it's this important so come and see us afterwards So we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer more specifically in a few minutes. But just before we do, I just wanted to kind of help us think about prayer and what it is that kind of stops us praying. We all know we're supposed to pray. We all know we're supposed to have this ongoing relationship with Jesus. But perhaps you could just turn and talk to the person next to you for a moment or so. What are the things that kind of get in in the way and stop us having our one-to-one time with him? Okay, so it's caused lots of conversation. So can anyone shout out, what are some of the things that kind of get in the way or stop us having our time with God? Technology. Technology. Okay, because we're using technology, we're on technology, kind of on our phones and stuff maybe? <laughs> Lisa's pointing at somebody else, yes. They're on their phone a lot. Anybody, anybody else? What else gets in the way sometimes? Or do you not just find it, it's not a palaver for you, it's very easy for you to spend one-to-one time with God? Too busy. Okay, busyness. Thank you. Anything else? Yeah? Feeling bad about yourself. So feeling guilty about stuff and things getting in the way that way you feel. It's an interesting one, that one, isn't it? It can be a bit of a, a cycle that we feel bad about ourselves. So we think, well, I can't really go and spend with God, time with God, although he's the one who can help us sort it out. And then, so we don't spend time with him, so we feel even worse about ourselves. So that can be a bit of a cycle that goes around. Okay, so technology, busyness, feeling bad about ourselves. Is there anything else? Yeah. 
The enemy, yeah. So there's somebody who's really wanting to get in the way and stop us having time and connection with Jesus. Anything else? Sleep. What, because we're asleep or we're too tired or both? Both. (laughs) Some of us are sleeping too much. Some of us are not sleeping enough. So this isn't supposed to be a bit of a guilt trip. I'm not kind of coming down and going, why aren't we spending time with Jesus? But this is real stuff, isn't it? And if we want to be people who are growing to get to know him better, which I kind of guess we are because we're rocking up here at half past ten on a Sunday morning, then we have to look at the practical things that get in the way and work out what to do about it. Do you know, I had a really sobering thought as I was preparing for this. Um, Last year, Nigel and I got into the West Wing. We're a bit kind of behind the curve with everybody else. Everyone else watched it years ago. But that's a political drama um, set in the White House, and we were kind of really gripped by this drama. And I suddenly said to Nigel, so I wonder how much time we spent watching the West Wing. And we kind of worked it out that each episode is 40 minutes. And there are 22 episodes in a season, and there are seven seasons. And we didn't watch all seven, but we watched quite a lot of them. And so I reckon, oh, he said we did. Oh, we did. We did. Oh, that's even worse. Oh, no. God. God help us. It was over the course of a year, but we spent 102 hours or 4.3 days watching the West Wing. Oh, my days. Indeed, oh, my days. Now, it's not that the West Wing's bad, I don't think. It was really interesting. I learned a lot about American politics. It was great to relax. It's good to spend time unwinding. But if I then say, actually, Jesus, I don't have time to be with you, then perhaps he might say, but what are you spending your time doing, Joe? And perhaps that could be said by many of us. You know, as I said, this isn't a guilt trip, but it's good to be real about where we're at. And my friend Andy Smith, who's from Belfort Vineyard, I heard him speaking this week, and he said, don't just fit time with Jesus into your life, but rearrange your life around your time with Jesus. And I just thought, yeah, what might that look like? You know, you might have heard that phrase in a different way before. But what does it look like to rearrange our life around our time with Jesus? So at half past eight at night, when I think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to sit and watch my box set. What might it look like to sometimes spend that window of time with him instead? Well, you know, if we're looking to spend more time with him, if we're trying to work out how to rearrange our lives around him, the key thing is that it's important to start somewhere, to start where we are. As someone very honestly said, sometimes when we feel bad about ourselves, it actually stops us coming to him. And the point isn't that, you know, some people spend, I don't know, three hours in the morning praying. If that's not where you're at, to be honest, it's probably not very achievable to start that tomorrow and keep on going. Well, maybe it is for you, but it wouldn't be for me. If I want to run a marathon, I'm not going to jump out of bed tomorrow and run 26 point whatever miles. I might drag myself out of bed, and the first day I might download the Couch to 5K app, (laughs) and then maybe on Tuesday I might try and do the first part. But we need to start where we're at, don't we? And so if for you, spending a regular time with Jesus isn't part of your calendar then why don't you commit and say that it will become that? And why don't you think about 15 minutes in the morning, later on the day, when you could connect with him? But here's the challenge. If you already have that practice in your life, what is it that you could do to kind of extend or to expand or, or to change the time that you have with him? Maybe you're great at your 15 minutes. And actually, in fact, I was talking to someone today who said, the time on the clock just runs out really quickly. And maybe the challenge for you is to 
work out how to spend a little bit more time or another time in the day? What does it look for us to grow, not to stay the same, but to grow in our relationship with him? It can be really helpful to think about rhythms, and we've talked about this quite a lot. You know, when the band play, we have a drummer who just keeps the beat, who kind of keeps us all in time. And the rhythms and practices in our lives are the things that anchor us in the presence of God. And they're things that can become habits, not in a bad way, but that really help us. You know, I was talking to Morris. Morris gets up at some awful hour in the morning, about five o'clock in the morning, every day to go to work. And he's been doing it for, I think, almost 40 years, he was saying. Can't see Morris. He's around here somewhere. Yes, almost 40 years. And he finds that on Saturdays or on Sundays or on bank holidays, he still wakes up really early in the morning. It's become a pattern. It's become a practice. Some of you are nodding. You know what that's like. And when we put these practices in our lives of connecting with Jesus, then they're things that sustain us. And so once we get into the habit of maybe getting up early or going to bed earlier or turning off Netflix, the first few times it's hard work. But the more that we practice it, the more it becomes like a a groove that we can fall into. And the thing is, we have to get into these grooves. We have to do things to prioritise a rich, intimate friendship with Jesus, because it's not just going to happen. We need to keep on intentionally putting ourselves in his presence every day so that we keep connected with him and we keep on receiving his love. If we want to be transformed, if we want to become like Jesus, then we need to be with him. And that isn't just about coming on a Sunday or going to life group, but that's each and every day. And like the Archbishop of Canterbury said, You know, this is an invitation. This is something that he delights in. He loves to spend this time with us. He longs for us to come and connect with him, to be with him. And so if we just make that choice, he promises that he'll meet us there. And so, do you know, it can help, really help to think in advance what you're going to do. Last year, we talked about the rule of life, and that's just kind of fancy words about a framework to connect with God. And it can be very different for us in the different seasons we find ourselves in. If you are a young mum with kids at home, we've said this before, it will be very different to if you are a retired mum whose kids have all left home. If you're somebody who gets up at five o'clock in the morning to get on the train, your pattern and rhythm will be very different to somebody who may be studying, maybe getting out for your lecture at one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, I remember those days. Glory. <laughs> But we all need to find the rhythms and practices that work for us in our season. And, you know, I was thinking that we've got about 11 weeks now until Easter. That's a really lovely chunk of time, isn't it, to think about what kind of rhythm or practice works for me in the season that I'm in. And there are three helpful questions to think about. The when and where and what. The first question is, when could work for you? Are you a morning person? Are you an evening person? Could you connect with God on your commute to work when you're coming home from the school run? Where are the places? Perhaps you have a time where you can just pause and pray over your evening meal with your family or if you're living on your own. A wonderful time to have a meal with Jesus. You know, when um, JJ was born 13 years ago, Paul and Katie brought us a curry. 
um, you know, so we didn't have to cook one night. We really enjoyed it. And then they went off to Egypt. And so we decided that every time we ate a curry, we were going to pray for Paul and Katie and the Phillips family in Egypt. And now they're back. It's really interesting, actually, because um, we saw the Leswells the other day, and the kids were telling us that in Bosnia, one of the foods they loved was this special kind of sausage bake thing you eat with bread. And so JJ said, every time we have sausages, we should pray for the Leswells. I thought, what a great idea. I don't know about you, but I need these prompts. I don't remember always, so I need things to help remind me. So when can we pray? We'll work out. Why don't we spend a moment for a moment, a moment just pausing now? When's a good time for you? Perhaps you already have a time. But if you don't, when could be a good time for you to carve out to be with Jesus? The second question is, where will you go? You know, for me, I have a chair that I love to go and sit in. And my practice at the moment is um, I like to light a candle because that helps me focus. I often go and sit in that chair and my brain is all over the place and my heart is busy. And I just light a candle and I look at it for a minute. Oh, yes, right. Remember why I'm here. Other people I know put on music. Some people play worship music in the car. Some of you will be on the train. Others of you I know have dogs, and when you walk the dog, that's your time when you connect with him. But it's good to think about those places. You know, it said, didn't it, in the Bible, Jesus went to a certain place to pray. And having those places where we expect to meet him is really powerful and important. I read this quote from Pete Gregg. He said, After decades of day and night prayer, I've come to believe that 99% of prayer is just showing up, making the effort to be consciously present to the one who is constantly present to us. So just showing up, wherever that place is that you've decided to meet with Jesus. And isn't that a lovely phrase? Be consciously present to the one who is constantly present to us. And so for me and my chair, sometimes it's just sitting there and taking a breath and saying, Lord, I know that you're here and I'm here too. Just having that point of connection. He's here and he wants to meet with us. So when could it be? Where could it be? Why don't you spend a minute and just think, is there a special place where you regularly go to meet with God? Or if there isn't, where could that place be? And the third question is, so what are you going to do when you get there? We've talked about prayer being a conversation, haven't we? And there are all kinds of tools that can help. We've got some of them available on the, at the info and sign-up desk. In a moment, we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. In fact, I was praying with a, a girl, well, I was in a prayer meeting recently with a, a, a woman who was there, and at the end she came to me and she said, um, I'm really new to this church stuff, and I love the way you prayed, because you use such normal words. Sometimes I feel like I need to pray about world peace, and it's not that I don't want that, but actually what I really want to say is, God, I'm really fed up that I missed the bus today. And it did just make me think. I thought, that's what the Lord wants to hear, doesn't he? When my kids come and talk to me, I don't want them to say what I think, what they think I want to hear. I want to find out what's going on with them. I want to know that's what conversation and relationship's about. And you know, when we don't know what to pray, that's when the Lord's Prayer really comes into its own. It's the most famous prayer in history. It was written by Jesus himself. And... When it was first written, or when Jesus first said it, it would have been in Aramaic. And do you know, I found out recently that it's actually a poem, that he gave his disciples a poem that rhymed. I imagine so that they could remember it. And I'm sure that many of us here know the Lord's Prayer. We used to kind of say it at school most days. But with our kids and with those who haven't been around church or in schools where the Lord's Prayer was prayed, it's a really helpful prayer to learn. So recently, I just taught it to one of our kids who just didn't know it. They don't do it in their school. 
And after over a couple of nights, we just learnt the Lord's Prayer. And then we can use the Lord's Prayer in two ways. We can use it as a model and we can use it as a map. So as a model, it's actually words that we can say. It's an actual prayer that we can pray. And if we repeat it regularly, the foundational truths that are in it can shape our hearts and minds. You know, if we regularly say, our Father, then it will sink in the truth that God is our Father. And we're going to talk about this a bit more next week, because I know that lots of us have had really bad experiences of what a father or a dad might be like. And God isn't like that. But as we remember these truths, as we pray this prayer, the truth of who he is and the truth of what he's done can really connect with us. And so if you wanted to use this as a model, it might be that you choose a particular time of day to do it. You know, the 24-7 guys, um, Pete Gregg is, leads that crowd, um, and he has suggested setting an alarm on your phone for midday. My phone's just started to buzz at midday, so I remember to pray the Lord's Prayer. And you know, to be honest, it's quite annoying because midday isn't always a convenient time to stop. But actually, when I thought the other day, I thought, oh, it's 12 o'clock, oh, that's annoying. I was in the middle of something. But actually, it's really good to be prompted in the middle of doing other things to remember God, isn't it, in the business of what we're doing. Now, maybe midday isn't the time for you. Maybe there's another time which would be more um, suitable for you. But I'm going to suggest that as a church family, if you'd like to, that we commit over the next eight weeks whilst we're doing this series to pray the Lord's Prayer individually once in the day. When you get up, 12 o'clock, when you go to bed, wherever works for you. And I wondered if we might actually pray it now. So put the words up on the screen, those of you who don't know it. Would you like to stand up as we pray? And if you notice, it starts off with our Father. This is a great prayer to pray corporately. It's not my Father, but it's our Father. And the second part of it, hallowed be your name. That's just a word for us saying, God, you're holy. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let's take our seats. So we can pray it as a model. It shows us what to pray, what to say. And when maybe if you're getting up early in the morning, you're on the train at five o'clock, or you know, you're in a time when you just don't know what to pray. And that is a great place to go, a great thing to do, to pray the Lord's Prayer. But we can also use it as a map because it shows us themes that we can pray around. So as we look at the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, as I've said, you know, we remember that God is our Father. Hallowed be your name. Well, that reminds us to worship him. We don't start coming to God with a list of things, but we look to him and say, God, you're holy, you're awesome, you're wonderful. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, as we go through the prayer course in our life groups, we're going to be looking at each phrase. And it's going to show that each of these phrases are a jumping off point. And so within this prayer, there is worship and adoration. We are asking God for things. We're asking for forgiveness. We're wanting to see his kingdom come into practice in our lives. A whole range of different ways to pray. And the prayer course helps us look at those and explore them. And then at the end, we come back to the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever.
And what I thought we might just do in this moment is I'm going to leave the words up there just for a moment. And perhaps you might, in your mind, pray through this prayer again. But just see if there's a sentence or a phrase that jumps out to you. Perhaps for you, it is going to be dwelling on our Father. If that's as far as you get, then that's fine. And just think about God as your Father. Maybe we'll come to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And actually, you're aware of something that you've done that you shouldn't, or something you shouldn't have done that you did, or somebody who's caused you great offence that you want to just forgive and release. And so I'm going to give us a couple of moments now. We're going to do this quietly. And so why don't you, well, together, but quietly in our minds, we're going to read through those words and see where it is that you want to pause as you connect with God now. And then I'm going to bring it to a close. And so we have this most incredible invitation, don't we? To connect with God regularly, personally. And if that's something that's new to you, I'd love to chat with you after the service. If you think, actually, I'd love to have that friendship with God that you've been talking about. I'd love to talk to you and introduce you. But if you're someone who's been walking with Jesus for a while, and I hope today has just encouraged you, that as you come to him, he loves to be with you. He loves to connect with you. And wherever you are in your journey, we can all grow. And so as a church, we want to get better at this. We want to learn how to pray. And there are things that we can choose to do as individuals, like working out when and where and how and what. And there are things that we can do together, like praying corporately and being part of a life group. I'm just going to close and pray now. So Father in heaven, thank you for this incredible invitation. Thank you for the gift of this prayer, which shows us how to connect with you. And we ask that you'd come and breathe life on it. Father, we pray that this would become a pattern that we can use well. It would be a model that we can use. And that we would all learn how to pray better and more. Because we know that's how we get to know you. Amen. And um, there's just a few moments before we have to collect our kids. And so why don't we just open our hearts and our hands and close our eyes. And why don't we just invite the Holy Spirit to come. Because although much of the challenge of today's talk is a practical one. And it's, it's outworked in, as we go about our week. I do believe that the Lord is here. And that there are things that he just wants to do among us. And so we'll just open ourselves and we say, come Holy Spirit. We are awake and alive and open to all that you want to do in this place we are aware of your presence and Lord we want to go with what you're calling us to go with and so we're just going to wait for a moment and there are some things I think that God wants to do this morning and there will be an opportunity in a moment to respond and to be prayed for if that's what you'd like to do Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your presence here.